Welcome to Making Waves, a monthly show about sound art, produced by New Adventures in Sound Art. Today's show listens back to an online listening gathering that took place on August 14th. It featured sound art works by Zoe Gordon, Helena Corbath, Lucille Kim, and Carrie Latimer. The format of the show is like a writing club, where artists and enthusiasts gather online to listen to pieces and share their impressions and comments. Hi, this is Zoe Gordon. I'm in Thunder Bay, Ontario. This is an introduction to this piece, Body Print, that I actually made uh, last winter, um, thinking about expression and how to respond to listening to the water. And I often go down to the shore uh, very close to my house. There's a park with a marina and um, little walking trails around. It's about listening in an urban environment and um, also about having a colonized mind and finding new possibilities of expression. And I just updated it because a couple nights ago I spent a night um, with a group of women dreaming in the library and it's just to honor that time and how that also has to do with um, the water and being a sound body. I hope you like it.
We're joined here with uh, uh, some of the artists from the Digital in Nature show that uh, Zoe Gordon's piece uh, is a part of, Body Print, Listening to the City Shore. A piece that covers a range of things, kind of episodic in its form in some ways. Um, any impressions from anybody in the audience that wanted to comment or discuss or share that? Hi. No, I just really enjoyed the haunting voice throughout it. I was kind of hoping the artist would be here just so I could ask who did the voice work behind it. I really enjoyed how it sort of interplayed at the beginning and end. It was, I don't know, in a post-pandemic world, having audio like that's kind of like, oh, yeah, no, I get the desolation. I enjoyed it on that level. <laughs> I think it's her voice. That's lovely. As far as I understand. So many Canadian cities are near shorelines that this kind of meeting of urban spaces and and nature and natural waterways are kind of a common experience. Is there uh, a, a sense, for, a habit among others that uh, to uh, to go to the water to find uh, to connect with the world again? That was really beautiful. I felt transported by it, and um, yeah, I think what really came through with the for me, yes, I um transported by water or this the energy or the scale and the magnetic field around the ocean and all of that is just really moving and I think what it tapped into for me was the dreaming the dreaming piece the the part of it where um they're like imagining 
or they're dreaming rematriation. And so these layers like the voices and all of this that come in and out with this with this sort of watery presence, it's like there are layers that are there and then the dream goes through those layers and it felt very space, like it felt like I was in the space of that. So I, I really found it transporting. And I think the voice was, for me, the voice felt like there was a desolate to it, but it also felt like maybe desolate because it's separated by time or it's separated by distance. And it felt almost like it was a guide or a co like coaxing me towards it, um, despite all of the sort of unreality around in this dream space and all of the um, overwhelming potential of such a space. And then there's this really grounding earthy presence of the voice. And so, yeah, it was really, really moving. I like the word you used beckoning. That's a better match. It was beckoning mm -hmm. towards something. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of like yearning feeling is, is sad because it's hard, it's from like beyond right but it it also tangles everything that's here and brings it to attention and so I think like with the books being dramatically unrecognizable in the photo as well it's sort of that dialogue was really between that that state of mind and the hope or the what the dream is this the sort of intentional dream is like reaching towards I felt like that was yeah very very yearning yeah, I agree with yep. Helena. And with the idea of the dream, like there was just anything can happen in a dream and so many different things are involved. And with Zoe's sound, it's she just embedded so many different sounds that blended so well together. And it almost felt like a dance in a way, just following her every move. Like I can just imagine that when listening to it. So yeah, it just felt like a really good experience. And I, I've always, I haven't used many different sounds before. And with listening to her piece, it felt really experimental and makes me want to like try something. Um, this notion of um, dreams and dreaming and reality is also a theme that uh, you explore, Helena, in your piece. Uh, surveillance drone hatchlings first flight mm -hmm. um, perhaps uh, let's listen to that next and perhaps you can set it up for us sure I'm happy to um, so the piece I've been working on this for a while and it's sort of part of a larger universe of um, of inquiry of stuff I'm interested in but the sort of underlying tension of it is like my experience of fantastic thinking um, or like indulging in conspiracies even or like wild explanations of reality is very enjoyable for me. Like I, I do have angst about the normal existential stuff, but I find it's almost like a form of play. And it's similar to this idea of invoking a dream, like anything can happen. It's a place to imagine differently but there's a tension with seeing um, the sort of populist expression of this kind of fantasy and the harms that are done. Like right now during COVID, obviously there's a lot of um, conflict and then even more, you know, over the last few years politically, there's a lot of, um, of these rabbit holes you can go down. And then, um, thinking about that and thinking about my experience with it, I, I wanted to engage with this idea of fringe and fringe thinking 
um, like really differently from how, you know, a public facing skeptic who is embedded in academia and other places that like that, where, you know, on the one hand, there's a skepticism and a remove and even maybe sometimes like, you know, disdain towards people who buy into some of these um, rabbit holes. But then, um, or, or like kind of making assumptions about what people are up to when they when they think this, like it's easy to say, like someone is delusional or they're, it's fear and all of that. But like what else is appealing about being in this state of mind that's not necessarily um, cemented in reality and, and what else can it offer? Um, and if I took that, uh, I took like a, a classic fringe theory, which is this concept about the birds being spies from another dimension or another time. And that's sort of like a classic, almost a farcical depiction of somebody who's, you know, wearing a tinfoil hat. But what if I actually went into that world and thought about like, what, what would they be watching? What would these, would these drone birds be sentient or would they just be reporting to someone and like what kind of a transmission would they make and what would they consider important or not and would they feel uh have any feelings about their life or enjoy it or and also then like what's the excitement about that like is there is there something beyond it and why is that so powerful to imagine and so i just wanted to be very playful but also kind of take this experience for something a little less um like oh you know it's just it's just out there and silly and just kind of more engage with that impulse um, to fantasize and like, yeah, run away from, from social pressure, but also running towards something and what, it, what would that be? And also the fact that I relate to that impulse. So um, you started exploring that through sound and composition. Right, so this piece doesn't have any text to no. carry those thoughts. But no. is this is the surreal soundtrack that would go with that imagined moment that you're describing. Yes. Ideally, I would prime someone to listen to this by like presenting this sort of like world. And I was even thinking like it would be fun to try it with headphones in like a plaza that's full of pigeons or something and just um, imagine this transmission is going on around. Like Pigeon Park in Vancouver. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, here we go, and we'll uh, switch over. Elena Corbas, uh, surveillance drone hatchlings first flight, here on Mesa Radio and on Making Waves.
Surveillance Drone Hatchlings First Flight by Elena Robath here on NASA Radio and Making Waves. Because you were also involved with community radio and radio production and making audio pieces, uh, do you find that that without the visual element in those formats that your visual imagination has more freedom? Yeah, for me, I feel like the my visual and my sonic imagination are really deeply linked. But it's like it's like synesthesia if it doesn't represent something um, concrete. So like when I hear that, I'll see shapes and movements that are abstract. And when I see shapes or movements, vice versa. But I'm really interested in how both of those separately and together um, map to stories. Like if you listened to this and decided like there's a narrative shape to it but you could map you know a thousand different stories to that shape or they could mean different things so i think like having it separated leaves more room to play with that and to um be suggestible i guess i know uh lucille um kim who we're going to hear from next uh your your background was a visual artist and then you're coming into audio how have you found the yeah. experience with uh, translating something that might be in the visual mind into audio information? It's, you know, what's odd is with sound, I almost feel like it's like a drawing in a way. It's almost like a sketchbook. Um, and I just see like lines and movements. So I don't feel that it's completely different. Um, yeah, it's. I don't really know how to explain it, but that's that's my experience with working with sound. Is it like so a synesthetic uh, experience uh, with sounds in general that um, you see things? I think so. Yeah, maybe along those lines, and it very emotive experience with it. Are there others that can relate to that with? Uh, you know, some of you that are joining us have done some audio and and have also a background in visual arts. Tony, you're coming in. You're a photographer, but you're also doing audio now. I I I, I can't talk to that, but I did I did want to respond to Helena's piece. Um, I, I found it very compelling. Um, although I think um, my impressions and my analysis will probably be quite simplistic. And for context, I've just relatively recently gotten involved in sound art. So I I feel very unsophisticated in my understanding and, and approach to it. But uh, um, so there's kind of two elements to my response to Helena's work. The first one is the is I guess the the social context of conspiracy theories in the sense of in in which they are, you know, now given voice in ways that they never were before or in different ways and and methodologies so I find that kind of interesting and that really doesn't have 
I don't think as much to do with the piece as just kind of the overall context around the, the conversation that's going on with regard to that. And then, of course, the influence of the media and our access to, you know, the information that heretofore was typically not available, even though people certainly believed in that. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about, I guess, is the synesthesia thing. And, and it was really interesting that you mentioned that, Helena, because as I was listening to it, I could almost smell and taste metal. And it was an interesting experience for me. It's kind of like, I don't know if you you go into a, a, an auto repair shop and there's kind of like a smell or kind of a taste of metal around you that actually just really took me by surprise. I didn't, I, I really didn't expect that. And that was like very, very powerful for me. And, and I guess the other part of that is the context in which the notion of a drone is obviously a technological construct. And uh, again, my simplistic mind in this, just the, the, the way in which the sounds just kind of overtook the natural sounds of the birds. And then, you know, they became robots. And I just kind of felt like, you know, I'm, I'm just being surrounded by, by these robotic birds. Um, and but it, but it speaks to our our engagement and involvement with technology that we are now kind of referencing in a sense the natural world in relation to you know this emerging kind of technology and AI and all the rest of it um, yeah so I kind of felt that 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 sense of, of of being overwhelmed and then kind of underneath it underneath all of it was this swirling energy. Um, I, I, I couldn't identify the tones, but it was, I guess it was almost like, you know, pad sounds that were just kind of swirling around underneath it. It felt, it felt pretty dark. I'm okay with dark. That's, that's okay with me. Uh, but well done. I just, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for the comment about the metal. That was something I was channeling this, this metal and a lot of the bird sounds are actually made with metal instruments. Um, uh, so I'm I'm glad that came through, and it's also nice to hear from someone who experiences sound in their taste buds. And I, I have a lot of like sensory um, cross wires, so I I don't know, I, I like to um, hear other people's experience of the same. But yes, absolutely permission to use the the piece that way. All right, we're going to move on to Lucille Kim's piece, uh, "Waves of Fortitude," and. Uh, Waves of Fortitude is a desolate sound piece in which the artist searches for healing while losing connection with the ground underfoot. Mechanical repetitions are heard from the beginning, relating to how the digital world heavily intertwines or impedes the body as another form of nature. This piece also has some silences in it uh, and some quieter dynamics near the end. So if you need to adjust your volume, then do so. Um, we kind of kept that in the mastering, not to push things uh, higher than they needed to be. There's a certain ambiance with quieter sounds that um, need to allow them to speak that way.
That was Waves of Fortitude by Lucille Kim. I was able to connect with Lucille on the phone and uh, we can recapitulate her introduction that got cut off with the, the internet there. Basically, the, the mechanical repetitions and sort of the digital war, world is kind of a representation of my own struggles with anxiety and how that really consumes my body as its own kind of nature. And with the, the birds and the more natural sounds in the background, I wanted to sort of battle that to show this kind of sense of healing and trying to find again. found that piece really um, interesting to listen to. Like my um, my mind was like with it the whole way through, and which I really like. It was very stimulating, um, and I, I really liked the use of um, white noise and space, and at times like this idea that you've got some content like the piano notes. Um, coming so late in it was really like it really connected this mechanical sound then this expression of piano like like you said finding your ground but I felt like those um those that content in, in quotes like it sort of sometimes would slip away and there's this white noise or this occupation around it like this um different levels of your of the sound of the tape um which I found very effective like I could feel that sort of um instinct of anxiety of that the different play with interference and yeah so that was um that was great thank you yeah with the piano i i'm not um i don't play music at all and so it was something new to try out and i think adding that for me was was trying to like connect it all together and also suggest this kind of longing for something so mm -hmm. I really liked it in relation to the other the sounds that had been like so um consistent before it felt like it, it was yeah it felt like that something was shifting like the like when you say like trying to connect it makes a lot of sense because it's like if that if because the piano is mechanical too, but it's got this different body and different like life to it than this digital noise. So I really like that connection. It was effective for me. I liked uh, the silence and the uh, the pacing of it, and that that creates the connection for me. This next piece uh, will be uh, we're going to listen to is by Carrie Latimer. It's called uh, Moth Transmissions. I think Helena mentioned uh, movement earlier in dance, and this piece was created for a dance piece. And the dance piece was inspired by um, uh, exploring uh, representations, I guess, of the underwing moth, which is a common moth around North, North America, and also a more endangered uh, one called the uh, San Verbana moth, which is found uh, on Vancouver Island. One of those moths is being displaced by human activity, and the other is, of course, uh, so plentiful it's considered a, uh, a pest. And um, 
so I guess this kind of nature and human uh, relationship is uh, evident in this piece. And also, um, Carrie is uh, trained as a singer and, uh, and is very active both in uh, classical and in pop uh, contexts as a singer. Um, but with the um, pandemic, uh, she's found that uh, she's had to develop other skills and uh, she's a very accomplished uh, theremin player uh, and also uh, has been working with the uh, Buchla synthesizer. And I believe these uh, explorations are evident in, in this piece, which is called Moth Transmissions. And it'll be uh, the last piece in our, in our show.
That was Moth Transmissions by Carrie Latimer. Any impressions? Did it suggest a moth to those that were listening? Did it suggest other things besides that? My, uh, my, this is Tony. Uh, um, <laughs> I found myself, I closed my eyes and I was, I felt as though I was, it was very visual for me and uh, very, uh, it wasn't really so much a moth, although the, the beating of the wings was certainly there. But there a lot of movement, and, and I just, I, I felt really drawn into it. I mean, it was like vortices and uh, tunnels and just, a, just a, a, a great amount of movement. And then the other thing that really resonated for me is I'm a, I'm a pretty avid or have been an avid shortwave um, listener. And, of course, with well, I'm used to static. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very, it really, really brought that forward. And then I realized, oh my goodness, the, the title says transmission. So that was perfect. Anyway, I want to thank the artist. It was, uh, I really enjoyed that piece. Uh, a quick question. There was throughout the piece, there was that kind of that clicking noise in the background, that sort of clicking, crawling thing. And I'm curious, do we know how the artist would create a noise like that? Is that analog or digital? The Buchla synthesizer maybe uh, could have been producing those those uh, kind of uh, clocking or beating kind of noises that you're mentioning. Uh, perhaps others might have other insight. I, I don't think she used any shortwave I, that she mentions in the notes. Um, no, it was just it was it, it just brought it for me. Just the notion of radio transmissions and a lot of static when you're listening to shortwave. I, I wasn't trying to suggest that it was as part of the piece, but that's some what it evoked sounds, for me. Yeah, some of those sounds could be made with a shortwave, though. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, if you want to capture them, yeah, for sure. But uh, the Buchla would have noise generators, would have stuff that would also um, probably uh, shape the sound in different ways and create, you know, clicking noises and things like that. It's, it's a, it's a, it's almost a natural phenomenon to itself. The Buchla, or his Don Buchla's synthesizers were. I, I had a question. I was wondering. I noticed that that two of the, or at least Helena and this piece are both described as being involved with sort of dance stuff. I was wondering if all four of these were thematically at least rooted in or based in some way with dance as, as sort of a, a way to convey the piece itself. I don't know. I just, I remember reading that moth transmissions have been part of a sort of a dance creation. I wasn't in, uh, intentional in the curation to necessarily connect to dance, but, um, but I think there are, as we've heard all pieces with that are very evocative of visual experiences. And I think that dance communicates in a similar way as music does in a nonverbal level. So one could imagine, you know, physical gestures, uh, you know, physical action, um, just as much as, as you could uh, evoke uh, a more filmic uh, visual scenario. Just quickly wanted to say, I thought that um, that last piece was so fun, um, like to listen to you. And I really, I also didn't, to go to your very first question, I didn't necessarily see moths, but knowing it was about moths, I tried to sort of imagine what about their, 
um, world that would translate to like how like what are they what are they what are they here what is their hearing like and what color range did they see and it felt very much like uh, a couple of places it felt like I was in an alien territory it felt like you know like an MC Escher um, picture or something where the stairs go up and then they also go down and like nothing quite it just felt like I was in someone another beings um, frame of reference so I thought that was really fun and also um, yeah, intentional or not, I guess like the movement, the feeling of movement or tracking movement, imagining movement has been like a kind of a through line. And um, and so I think that does relate to dance, obviously, um, things like flying and going to meet the tide and so on. I, what I enjoyed about that was it challenged, because I too tried to imagine a moth, but then I thought all I know about moths is that they hang around lights in bright places. So I had to think to myself, okay, this doesn't sound like a moth. So if anything, this this piece made me imagine moths in places I didn't usually imagine them, which kind of sounds corny, but it, it did challenge my perspective on like, okay, this is a moth. Where would it sound like this? So I, I had a good time imagining one in a forest with the various nighttime creepy crawlies. So I agree on that and then challenging my perspective. Yeah, for me, it was it was kind of... Uh... I, I I hear what you're 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 saying. Is it Craig? I don't. I, anyway, um, so I think uh, I almost I almost put I almost felt to me like I was the moth, and it was the way I was seeing through a moth's eyes. I mean, oh, that, that makes was, so much more that sense. Was, that wow. was kind of like, oh, now I'm seeing the world through the moth, you know. And of course, you know, the notion of these insects having multi-prism eyes and, you know, we, of course, I, we can't ever understand or comprehend or have any kind of sense of the way in which these beings and creatures perceive the world. But that's kind of where I went with it. And when I was talking about the visualization, that was kind of where I was going with it. I felt like I was the moth. And so that was just kind of there, too. Yeah, no, the, the, the clicking noise that was in it throughout makes a lot more sense if I perceive the clicking from the eyes of a literal moth. So that actually helped me a lot. Thank you. That's really interesting. So thanks, everybody. And I hope uh, that someday in the future we'll all be able to link up in person. Um, but one of the beauties of doing this on the Internet is that we can uh, connect across the country uh, to different parts and uh, share each other's experience and find that, you know, a lot of us have a lot of things in common in how we perceive the world. So I'm uh, really grateful for everyone's openness and frankness today. I found the discussion really engaging. This has been Making Waves, produced every month by New Adventures in Sound Art for WGXC Wavefarm. You heard in today's episode pieces by Zoe Gordon, Helena Kurobath, Lucille Kim, and Carrie Latimer, which were part of the August 14th Listening Gathering, and are also available on NASA's SoundCloud album entitled Sound Travels 2. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back one month from now.